or it's an ailing parent that they need to take time off to care for. And then they've got a gap in the resume and it becomes harder and harder to get back into the workforce. And we see it all the time. Talented people who can't find a job because of the gap. Um, we, we have not invented the returnship program, um, but I happen to think they are amazing. They are important. They're timely. And I'm super proud to be part of it at Verisk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talent Playbook Podcast. My name is Jason Ferrara. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Outmatch and your host for the podcast. Our podcast focuses on talent discovery and purpose. So during each podcast, we highlight someone who's responsible for talent discovery in their organization or someone who has found their purposeful path in life. Our guest in this episode is Felicia Flightman. She's the Campus Recruiting and Strategic Pipelines Lead at Verisk. My conversation with Felicia is all about talent discovery and talent creation. She highlights two strategic programs she manages. First is campus recruiting, and the second is a program they call Returnship. I'll let her detail those programs during the conversation, but I'll say that the Returnship program, while a young effort at Verisk, is one of the most impressive programs for talent creation I've ever heard of. It's very inspiring, very interesting. Felicia also talks a ton about culture and how Verisk created and promotes their culture from within. It's both impressive and exciting to hear how Verisk employees support and promote the culture in and around the company. She also shares her thoughts with what makes a great employee tick, as well as how human capital is a key driver of their business metrics. So without any more delay, please enjoy the Talent Playbook podcast with Felicia Flightman. Hey, Felicia, thanks for joining the podcast today. I'm excited to have you and excited to talk to you. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks for having me today. So I think the best way to start our conversation is for you to just tell our listeners uh, a little bit about you and the job that you do. I mean, you and I have, have talked about that, but our listeners may not know. So just give a quick description of yourself and your title and your role and, and the company that you work for. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my title is University Relations and Strategic Pipelines Lead, and I work for a company called Verisk. So my job is pretty cool. I like to tell people that if I didn't have my job, I would look at the person who did and be jealous of them. <laughs> so I, I really do love, love my job quite a bit. Um, the university relations side of my job is to really understand what is happening with our university partners um, throughout the globe. I don't necessarily talk to all of those university partners. Uh, we have recruiters in various BUs who might be uh, coordinating directly with them. Um, but ultimately, I'm trying to understand what is happening across the globe. And then that way I can report that uh, the un to, to senior management. Mm -hmm. um, the strategic pipelines piece, now that's the fun part. So I get to look at... Uh, our recruitment efforts and think about how can we create strategic pipelines 
of future hires. So Mm -hmm. I recruit for our summer internship program, which is a strategic internship program. So we um, really use that program to uh, identify strong people who we may want to hire in the future. I also recruit for our data science excellence program, which is another campus recruiting program. We recruit directly into full-time hires for that. I recruit for our returnship program, which is an incredible program where we have a returnship for uh, people who were in the workforce, left to become full-time caregivers, and are now re-entering the workforce. Mm. Uh, and if you and, and veterans, uh, we, we're working on different veterans recruitment programs, uh, and really any type of uh, population where we can be thoughtful about our approach to recruitment. Uh, So that's a little bit about my job. Uh, Just a little bit about my background. I have been in recruitment for uh, 15 years. I went to SUNY Albany in upstate New York Mm -hmm. uh, for college, and I graduated with a theater major. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And frankly, when I was in school, I never really thought about it. Nobody talked to me about careers. Um... Little did I realize that having a theater major was maybe one of the best things I could do for my career because I learned so much about getting up in front of a room and presenting. Uh, Improv works great in meetings. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just being able to communicate and work with people from various backgrounds to execute uh, in theater, it's execute a play, and in business, it's execute a specific program or strategy. So that worked out really well. Um, I backpacked for a few, a few months and then came back and had, didn't have any money. Uh, and luckily, I fell into recruiting through a networking opportunity and through a referral uh, and started recruiting, campus recruiting within big law, major law firms mm. who. Uh, recruit who have summer associate programs, which are very similar to what I do now. And I just love this idea of being thoughtful about how you recruit and, and being really strategic and, and, and proactive about it. And so I did that for six and a half years over two different law firms. And I was in my mid twenties living in the city and said, Hmm, you know, what am I going to do next? And I thought I wanted to start my own business. And so I joined a startup Uh, I was the 10th employee, and we worked with high-growth food and beverage brands like Pop Chips and Vita Coco Mm -hmm. and Pine Bar and St. Germain, and I placed out all their C-level teams. Uh, I did some really, really interesting work there, loved working with the entrepreneurs, launched a business unit while I was there. Uh, I then decided to get a little bit more experience in tech, and so I became the director of recruiting at NTT Data, which is one of the largest IT staffing uh, IT firms in the world, and I ran uh, the recruiting function within the New York office, which was pretty neat. I then took uh, the dive into entrepreneurship. And I started a consulting firm where I helped companies, universities, and employers put together strategic internship programs. And uh, then through a connection, I started having conversations with Verisk. They had this really cool opportunity open to um, develop the strategic pipelines uh, function. I loved it. And that's what brought me to Verisk. Wow. That is a really, first of all, thank you for going through that. A lot of really interesting steps there. I'd love to talk a little bit about um, your 
your your college time as a as a theater major. You know, this, this really <laughs> makes me think about. Uh, I heard a I heard an interview with Malcolm Gladwell one time who was talking about uh, higher education and and the right. The, the right program, the right school for someone is the is the school, the program that they enjoy because that's what makes them think and that's what makes them learn as opposed to saying, well, you have to get into this track or this track. Um, and, and that really reminds me of this, right? Because you're absolutely right. Um, there are many things you'd learn as a theater major that you could take to business. Um, I I can absolutely identify with the notion that that improv and business meetings are they go hand in hand (laughs) that's for sure (laughs) they go hand in hand so um when you i I, i'm interested in the shift when you went to a startup you know as Mm -hmm. as the 10th employee was there a was that a big shift for you? Was it a culture change for you? Um, how did how did that feel to go from a large organization to such a smaller organization? Yeah, it was a major culture change. Um, a couple of the big differences. So first of all, in large law firms, right, in New York City, I was in these fancy buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, elevate um, TVs and elevators were a pretty new concept. So, of course, our building had one, right? Um, the expense account, I took car services when I needed to, and we were able to build back lunches and dinners and everything. Um, and then I went to the startup, which which said it was in Tribeca, but it was really Chinatown. And um, it was a third floor walk up. I found out after working there about six months that they did have an elevator, uh, but it was like one of those freight elevators that you did yourself. (laughs) Um, And I'd always had my own office, right? And recruitment, you're talking about salaries. It's very uh, personal and confidential. And in this startup, it was just one big giant room. Uh, At law firms, it was everybody dressed pretty formal. You know, most of the lawyers were in court. Uh, so I wore suits a lot. Um, I wore sweater vests a lot, which mm-hmm. was not my personality. <laughs> and uh, then I went to the startup and everybody was in jeans and it was dog friendly. And our conference room was a ping pong table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And even the owner's office was all glass. So it was just, you know, went from a law firm, which is confidential about everything to a startup, which was transparent about everything. And it was, it was a really nice welcome change. Um, When I was in law, there were a couple of people within our recruiting department but not a whole bunch. You know, most of the mm-hmm. people who were there are lawyers right. and they didn't really know what I did and I didn't really know what they did. And at the startup, which was a recruiting agency, every single person there, um, they did not they did exactly what I did. And it was really, it, so it was like part of B, even though it was a smaller company, it was a bigger team, which was kind of cool. Yeah. And I loved being part of it. Um, Another thing I really liked about agency life was uh, that I was in a revenue generating role. Mm. That was really the first time that I could look and see and say, this is what my impact has been on the organization. And Mm -hmm. that was the most positive change for me. That's very exciting, isn't it? And, and how do you, so 
I'd love to talk a little bit about culture and and revenue generating as it relates to your to your job today. Although I don't want to pass up a phrase you just said, which I, I wrote down and and I'd love for everybody to write it down, which is smaller company, bigger team. Yeah. Right? The, the notion that it's just the number of people isn't the important thing. It's how the how the people act and relate to each other. I, I love that. Love that phrase. Awesome. So how have you been able to take some of that to your to your job today? Some of those cultural pieces from a from a smaller org or or that how you view yourself in terms of revenue and the roles you have today? Yeah, yeah. So um there's so much there. You know, there's one more thing I want to talk about the difference. Sure. Um, sure, sure. which is in a law firm, they had always done summer associate programs well. You know, I was mm-hmm. just another person coming in to do it. Um, At the startup, I was the 10th employee. Like they were still figuring out their processes and there was an opportunity there to really contribute and make my mark and innovate and get creative and really get to think about what's the best way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And so That's something I bring to my job a lot Uh, currently. I'm consistently thinking about how can we be smarter with our time? How can we be more efficient? Um, How can we approach this differently? The CHRO at Verisk uh, is always saying, how can we think about giving more time back to the business? And I love that. And when I think about revenue generation, right? So Mm -hmm. at a startup, my contribution to our bottom line was I was in a revenue generating role. At Verisk, my contribution to the bottom line is twofold. The first one is how can I save my hiring manager's time? If my hiring managers are in revenue generating roles, what can I do to the recruitment process to make it more efficient for them, to make it easier for them to find and identify the right candidates for their team so that they can spend more time on the business? And then two, how can I hire someone for them that is going to be a good fit, is hopefully going to have high retention and it's hopefully going to then contribute to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so even though I'm not in a revenue generating role right now, I'm always thinking about our revenue and I'm always thinking about efficiencies. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And in fact, I um, had interviewed uh, of uh, Rosemary Hefner at uh, Spins in, in a few podcasts ago, and she has the same thought process around being part of the business and and working with the same business metrics and business goals around hiring managers and hiring people who generate revenue. And it's just such a fresh uh, take on the human capital um, part of a business that really is meaningful. Right. And and people respond to that. Right. They want they, they see you coming and they say, oh, here's somebody who understands what I do and what I do is as important to them as it is to me. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, You know, and something I'm always talking about with my teams, especially related to intern programs, is ROI. I talk about that a lot with the hiring managers, because at the end of the day, if 
the ROI for them participating in the intern program is different from someone else, then we're not all aligned and I can't successfully put forth a program. You know, we've all got to be sort of rowing in the same direction. Yeah, that's great. All right. So let's, let's talk about the campus recruiting program and the returnship program. So let's talk about campus recruiting first. Sure. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and just, you know, briefly describe the program as it is as it is today or the, the program that you've built sure um do you want to talk about the summer internship program or do you want to talk about how we recruit them uh why don't we talk about both so let's talk a little bit about the summer internship program first and then we can sure. get into exactly how you do that Yeah, absolutely. So our summer internship program is a paid summer internship program. Now at Verisk, it's a little interesting because we've grown quite a bit through acquisition. We are about 10,000 employees across the globe in 31 different countries. And we are a lot of different business units. And so the first part of our summer internship program, which is continuing to evolve, is how do we get all of the different business units collaborating on the same program? Mm-hmm. And I have another uh, former boss who, you, uh, who used to say glocal. Right. So she would be talking about NTT data. Right. And how we were global in our presence, but local in our approach. So it was local. And I think about it. I think about the same thing in our summer internship program. So we have a global team. We have business units across the globe. Um, When I have an intern go into uh, our Singapore office or our UK office or our Poland office or our Uh, Jersey City office. Mm -hmm. They are all going to have a different experience because it's different people. Each office is a slightly different culture. They're doing different work. But how do they feel like part of that global summer internship program, right? We want them to feel both. Um, So that's something that's consistently evolving. We're consistently working on it and making it better and better. Um, But we are aligned across across the globe from that perspective. What we are also aligned on is that our summer internship programs are really built on three things. Education, so educating our interns on who we are and what we do. Integration, so integrating them into company culture through professional development events and networking events. Mm -hmm. And evaluation, us evaluating them formally and informally on their work and them evaluating us. Do they see us as a place they'd want to work with long term? Are these are these um, students that you're recruiting? Are they all the same age in school? Are are they from you know? Are some freshmen and some seniors? You know, how, how do they? How do you sure. do that? So we hire um, undergrads through PhDs. So uh, typically at the PhD level, we're hiring them into our. Um, uh, global AI team. Uh, that team recruits a lot of PhDs who are doing some really interesting research into, um, you know, forward-thinking technology. Uh, Master's-level candidates, typically MBAs or masters in data science, masters in computer science, tech, um, really across the board. Uh, and then in the undergrad. 
Mostly it's rising seniors. Although if we find an outstanding rising junior or rising sophomore, we'll consider them. Mm-hmm. I do have a uh, actuarial intern who will be returning summer 2020 for his third year with us. So we brought him in between his freshman and sophomore year and he's come back each year. He's outstanding. We think he's outstanding. Uh, so it's it's a nice fit. We use the term talent creation a lot to talk about finding employees in unlikely places or finding mm-hmm. employees in places that that traditionally haven't been places a, com- a company finds them. Uh, have you have you experienced that? You know, you're going out uh, recruiting. Maybe this is the part where we talk about how you recruit the the sure. summer interns. Is that something you think about? Like, where can I go that is non-traditional to yeah. find the types of people? And so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and this is something I've always struggled with, with campus recruiting. And it's also why I love um, utilizing different tools and technologies in our recruitment process. I always felt like campus recruiting was a bit elitist. Um, you know, you'd, you'd sit down, you'd put together your core school strategy. It was typically the top ranked schools, which were also the most expensive schools. And it was the best programs for what you were trying to recruit, which also meant that that person needed to know what they wanted to do before they were during the application phase of getting into college. Mm-hmm. And now four years later, still want to be doing that, right? And and I think that a lot of people um, change and grow and innovate. And I think that a lot of people might not go to the best school because they got a scholarship to a different school. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they needed to stay local to care for their family or whatever their reasoning was. Um, but there was just never enough people to go to all the different schools that you might need to go to, right? And I'm talking back 15, 20 years ago. So now we're at a stage where we have applicant tracking systems that immediately can post to 100 different job boards. We have Handshake, which is one of my favorite tools, where I can go in and post to all of the schools in my network within 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. We have... Tools like GoToMeeting, which is what we're on now, and mm-hmm. WebEx, where I can host virtual info sessions. And we have tools like WePow, which is a great digital interview tool that also allows me to then screen these candidates, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have all of these different things that can help me um, cast a wider net, right? Um, we absolutely still have our core school strategy. Absolutely. We absolutely are consistently thinking about how do we get the word out about Verisk? How do we talk about who we are and what we do? Um, But I can do that in a much wider sense than I used to. And so when a candidate applies, yes, I'm looking at their school and I'm looking at their GPA, but I'm looking at much more than that too. And if I see somebody from maybe a community college that I wouldn't have gone to before, um, but they have something really interesting on their resume, I will absolutely consider them. And there's one intern that I'm thinking about 
right now um, from last summer who had kind of an untraditional background. And you know what? His team loved him because he was hardworking. He knew how to roll up his sleeves and get things done um, in a different way than some of our typical recruits. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thanks. Thanks for that. I, I found myself wanting to ask how much time you spend in a marketing capacity that you're just, you know, you're describing the, the recruiting process, but as a, as, as a professional marketer, <laughs> I, hear, I hear all the pieces in marketing terms, right? So right. How, much, how much time do you spend with the marketing team at Veris or, or does the human capital team there really do all the, do all the candidate marketing and that sort of thing? How much? Yeah, it depends. So if it's just like getting a job description out, that's really me thinking about how do I want to market this opportunity, right? And who do I want to send it to? And when I, when people are reading it, what do I want them to say? Um, what do I want them to think? What do I want them to do? But I work a lot with corporate marketing on materials that can support that. And so for, I'll take the data science excellence program as a good example. So um, I recruit for the data science excellence program. And then that program has a program manager who I work really closely with on every single piece of the recruitment process because ultimately she's the client, right? Right. Um, we then together work with corporate marketing. And this year, what we did was we put together an infographic um, and a fly, uh, really it was more of a flyer. And then we put together these virtual info sessions. And so we um, worked with corporate marketing to think about what that candidate experience was on when they saw the flyer, what was the call to action? The call to action was to sign up for a virtual info session. How do they sign up for the virtual info session? What information do we need to collect from them um, from that virtual info session. Following the virtual info session, what's the next call to action? What information do we want to send them? What do we do from there? And so we were really thoughtful about each piece of that as we went into recruitment season. That's great. I mean, I mean, literally every single day I say the phrase call to action. So I love the <laughs> fact that, I love the fact that you're thinking in those terms as well. Well, yeah. And I learned that at the startup, you know, at the startup, I That's got to work great. with our marketing team really closely and I was always having cool ideas and she would always, and she'd always ask me, but what's your call to action? And she asked it of me enough that now I ask it of others. <laughs> That's, great. That's great. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So, Let's talk about the returnship program too. Uh, again, this to me feels like a, a an opportunity where you're creating talent, right? So, so let's talk about um, returnship. What what is it, and then sure. how do you go about that? Yeah, um, let me start off with a personal story. Um, I have three three children. Their their ages are five, three, and one. And when I was pregnant with my oldest, a, uh, a former executive um, at a quite a large beverage company uh, who had was a candidate, had become a good friend of mine, said, uh, Felicia, you know, whatever you do, don't quit your job when you have the baby. And look, I wasn't planning on quitting anyway, but I, was, but I said, uh, why? And he was like, well, you know, my, my kids are, are now 15, they're twins. And when we had them, my wife left her PR job at Lord, at, um, excuse me, at a department store and 50, and she was really high up in the chain, loved her job, um, but felt it was important to be home for the kids. 
And 15 years later, they now don't need her home and she can't get back in. Mm-hmm. She was too senior um, to get back in at that level because her contacts have dried up. You know, the junior people have now become senior people, right? The industry sort of moved on without her. Right. And she was too senior to come in at a more junior level role. And so she just couldn't get, she couldn't find another job. And that, that always stuck with me always. And I think that's really scary. Um, and, and I was very fortunate in that I was able to work with my husband and my parents and we found a great daycare. Um, but a lot of people, men and women, uh, either choose to leave their job for personal reasons or they simply can't afford how expensive daycare is or it's an ailing parent that they need to take time off to care for. And then they've got a gap in the resume and it becomes harder and harder to get back into the workforce. And we see it all the time. Talented people who can't find a job because of the gap. Um, we, we have not invented the returnship program. Um, There are others who do returnships as well, Um, but I happen to think they are amazing. They are important. They're timely, and I'm super proud to be part of it at Verisk. And so what it is, is it's modeled very similar to how an internship program is. There's a beginning and there's an end. Uh, We have actually someone from our learning and development team who acts as the program manager. And so when these returnees come back, um, we do things like we do a structured orientation for them. We do learning and development and networking opportunities. We uh, upskill on technology if that's needed. And throughout that process, we're also talking to the hiring managers and saying, hey, you know, you don't, if do you have headcount, would you see yourself converting this person? If the answer is no, let's network them through to some other areas. Um, so we're thinking about their careers long term. We never promise a job at the end of it, but it's great if there is one. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, we had one returnee recently who we just loved. We thought she was so awesome. And uh, she was real. She said to me coming in, I'm really concerned. I have not used Outlook in a really long time and technology has changed. And so before she started, we gave her some classes that she could uh, attend so she could feel comfortable coming in. And she, she did so great that she was extended well beyond the returnship. Um, We had someone else who had wanted to be an actuary uh, before she decided to have kids and take some time off. And returning back in, we were able to get her a spot on our actuarial team, and she's just killing it. Um, and then we had someone else who was a lawyer. Uh, she did not think she wanted to be a lawyer again. So we brought her in. Uh, we brought her into a different group. She was doing great professionally, but personally, realized that she wasn't ready to return to work. And Mm -hmm. so she left the program early and said, you know what? This is not the right time for me to return to work. And that's okay too. The returnship program is about exploration, you know? 
Yeah, I love that it's about exploration. Uh, are there are there specific types of roles that you look for for the returnship program, or is it across the company? It's across the company. The hiring managers have to obviously have the budget for it, right? So they need to have. Um, it's not just about wanting to be part of the re- returnship program. They have to have the work and they have to have the open headcount to be able to bring mm-hmm. someone on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, last year we had people in um, corporate and social responsibility. We had actuaries, we had tech project management, finance, uh, administrative assistance, uh, all different types of roles. You'd mentioned upskilling earlier in in an answer about upskilling people. Uh, the, the the example of of using Outlook could be considered a, an upskilling example. How, how does how does Verisk how do you view upskilling conceptually, and then specifically how do you use it at the company? Sure. So. Um, I think nowadays things are moving so fast that you consistently have to be learning new things Um, just across the board. It's just necessary Uh, for me personally, whenever we get a new tool on our uh, talent acquisition team, I'm usually the first one to raise my hand and say, oh, can I be the point of contact? (laughs) Um, And I do that because That means that I have to become the expert on that particular tool um, because I'm the liaison between our customer success people and our recruiting team, right? So whenever I can volunteer to be that person, I I always am. Um, I am personally always trying to learn, and like I said earlier, new tools that can make me more efficient or successful in what I do. Um, A lot of my job is related to planning and then articulating information, So is Excel the best thing to use? Is OneNote the best thing to use? Should I put together a deck? Um, And if you look at my files, it's like full of started and stopped Excels and PowerPoints and that type of thing as I was figuring out the best way to articulate what I wanted to say or what I wanted to display. Um, So I'm always looking for new things like that. As for Verisk, well, we have um, a learning and development team that thinks about this across the board. So we have Coursera, LinkedIn Learning um, are two of our most basic things that are available to all employees. And then we also have different uh, leadership educational programs. So the one that comes to mind is what we call the LEP, the Leadership Excellence Program. That's typically for VP and senior leadership uh, mm-hmm. to um, upskill. We have partnerships with different universities to get them moving forward. And then we have different versions of that program for people who are first-time managers, people who are middle managers, people who are high potential and may become management. Uh, so all different types of programs within the company. Our L&D department is just fantastic. Uh, from a candidate perspective, Another program that I'm really proud that we at Verisk participate in, although I'm personally not part of it, is the Year Up program. Mm. Year Up is a nonprofit, and what they do is they um, they bring people into their world who um, want to get a different job than what they're currently doing, and they help those folks get uh, education. 
Sometimes it's towards an associate's degree. Sometimes it's just additional classes. And then they do a six-month internship at one of their corporate partners. And um, we've done that now several years. And it's a fantastic program. We've hired many people from the program. And um, just just finding great talent from a different place, as, as you mentioned before. Verisk sounds very progressive in terms of of where you find talent, how you treat people at the organization. I mean, I can absolutely see why you're drawn there and excited about the the role you have. Um, I, I imagine that's driven in through the culture, right? Just that kind of progressive nature about the business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, our CEO was actually just named to Forbes as one of the most innovative leaders. Um, and sometimes I don't put a bunch of stock in, in those types of lists. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I think it's really true. Um, Scott is really thoughtful about our business. Um, he's really uh always thinking about how can we be different? How can we continue to serve our customers? He developed this, um, what we call the Verisk way, which is to serve, add value, to innovate. Um, and, And I think, and that's something that of those principles that all of us as employees really need to uh, you know, really need to live by. And we approach each other that way. And we approach um, our customers that way. We internally, we have a yoga studio. That's one of the things that sealed the deal for me. I, <laughs> I like to, I mean, really, it's, it's funny to say, but I, um, I like to practice yoga. And um, being athletic and and having time to exercise when you have a full-time job and three kids and you commute a crazy distance is really hard. Yeah, and cool. so not only is yoga available, but encouraged for me to go to in the middle of the day, it's just, it's amazing. And I'm really proud to work for a company that thinks that way. Um we have something called the square, which is like this really neat, like innovation area um, where you can just go in and like get away from your work and you can play like Jenga or do puzzles um, or you can just bring your laptop in and sit on a couch for a different type of um, working session than just sitting by your computer. And I think that's great, right? We are not saying to ourselves, where is my employee? Are they at their desk? If they're not at their desk, that means they're not working. Um, We at Verisk, we really embrace technology. We make sure that our employees have access to technology that can help them be efficient, and then we let them do their work. Um, And I I think that's really important. Oh, it's so important. You know, we 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 moved recently and and we created a big what we call the common room. But but the same things happen there. I mean, people work out of the common room all the time. People actually use it to eat lunch. People stay late and hang out with each other. Um, there's a real connection among the employees, which then facilitates lots and lots of idea sharing and, and, and innovation. I love the idea that it's the square. You know, that's a great. Yeah, well, and we're, we're a data company, right? So a lot of math folks. Um, and so we have the square and then we call our eating space the root. And they're right next to each other. So it's the square root. <laughs> exciting for everybody there. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about trends. I, 
I feel, you know, we've talked about talent creation. We've talked about upskilling. Are there other trends you see coming in terms of the way that companies find their talent in the future? What are the, what are some trends you see? Mm-hmm. Um, a reliance on assessment tools uh, mm-hmm. are some of the trends that I'm seeing quite a bit. Uh, for example, as I mentioned, we utilize WePow, um, the which is like a digital interview. Um, we use that as our screening tool, and it has been life-changing just in regards to not only that we can screen more candidates and be more efficient, but in the tool, we're able to, number one, articulate who we are and infuse some company culture into that part of the interview process, which you may not get during just a traditional phone screen. But two, candidates that I'm on the fence about, right? You look at a resume and there are some candidates that it's like no brainer, this person's really good. Um, But then you look at somebody else. They might have a little bit more of an untraditional background or they're a bit more unique. Um, But there's something about their resume that makes you say, huh, And so we can allow by using a digital interview, it's not just relying on the resume. We can allow this person to, um, to, to, to talk about who they actually are. Right. And I think that's something that's so different from 10 years ago when time really stopped you from being able to consider a larger candidate pool. Um, I'm also starting to use a lot more technical assessments and moving technical assessments to earlier in the process. I was hesitant about doing that because, uh, you know, I don't want a candidate to apply to us and then have to take a test right away. But at the same time, you want to make sure, like, why waste a bunch of time in the interview process making sure somebody is going to be a good fit on the team if you haven't first decided if they have the bare minimum technical qualifications to be successful in the role. Um, And so we're consistently thinking about how can we use a technical assessment, make it engaging, make it short, make it customized to the role um, so that it's beneficial to the candidate too. But, you know, just be earlier on, does this person have the minimum qualifications needed? Um, So those are some trends. Also, I think a lot about job descriptions. I recently um, launched a campus recruitment strategy in uh, Krakow because we just opened an office there in March. And I had this really cool opportunity where I got to um, really lead the the strategy of of how we were going to recruit. And we traditionally have very long job descriptions. We have a lot of technology. We want to tell you all about how great we are. Um, and because we are, um, we are so technical that like our job descriptions are really detailed. And at first, people weren't applying. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, why are not more people applying? Like, our job is awesome. Our company is great. Like, why aren't more people applying? And then I started looking at other people's job descriptions, and they were like a quarter of how long hours were. And so another trend is like shorter job descriptions, 
or I'm seeing video job descriptions, which I think is great. Um, there's another tool out there called Spark Start, which is doing a lot of really interesting work with uh, video job descriptions and you know, being able to just like record and have the hiring manager talk about what they do and share that instead of just text. Um, I think that's really interesting. You know, I think that most college students, they don't know what jobs are even available. They don't know what they're qualified for. They don't know, maybe they've never stepped foot in corporate America. So how do we better articulate who we are, what we do, what their day-to-day will be like, if they'll like working here, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more thought and trends around that. Well, and it sounds honestly like it, there's a little bit more humanity injected into that process, right? So, so a video job description where the hiring manager is, is talking about the job. I mean, you get a great understanding of not only the job, but but the person, the people, the culture, all that, those like human pieces that you don't usually get to until you're, um, you know, in, until you're in person with somebody. And so there's yeah. a way to kind of be in person before you're in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and for example, not to keep going back to the digital interviews, but like for the returnship program, for example, um, when we utilized the digital interview, we had our former returnees who are now full-time employees asking each of the questions. And so they introduced themselves. They said how long they'd been out of work. Then they said when they came back through the returnship program and what they do now. And I got such positive feedback from the candidates because, you know, these candidates This might be their first interview in six years. They're nervous and they're being told by so many people that because they're out of the game, they're not going to get a job again, (laughs) you know, and and now they're going into this interview and it's daunting and it's scary. And all of a sudden they're getting asked a question by somebody who was in the exact same boat a year before. And it's just like, it's completely transformed the interview process in such a positive way. That's excellent. Thank you for that. And uh, we have time for one more question. I think you've you've just gone in such great detail about your process and your programs. I really appreciate it. And I'm thinking that you've got some excellent uh, advice for people who are starting their career. Obviously, you talk to people who are starting their career or restarting their career often. So I'm, I'm guessing you've got some advice. What would some of that be? Yeah, Um the the biggest advice that I have, and frankly, one that, look, I love my job, but one that I wish I did as well, uh, is to focus on career discovery. You know, in college, you, there's such a rush to declare a major. Um, I think that we as society do it backwards, right? We tell students to pick a college based on the major that we want, that you want, and then you choose that major based on the job that you want. But at that point, you've never, ever been exposed to a company, right? Um, And so how are you supposed to know what you want to do? And then you're told to go get an internship so that you can figure out what you want to do. But employers want to hire interns 
who already know that they want to be in that field because <laughs> we're all now pipelining future hires. Um, and we're only hiring people who are majoring in what we want them to be majoring in. And so there's a complete miss in career discovery. And, and I wish it was much bigger and frankly, even at the high school level. And so my suggestion is to just talk to people and, you know, don't ask people, what should I major in or what college should I go to or how do I get a job? I think the question should be, what do you do? What do you like about your job? What do you not like about your job? If you could do it differently, what would you do differently? And if you ask 10 different people that, and everybody knows 10 people who have jobs, right? Through their aunts, their uncles, their parents, their neighbors, whoever. But you ask 10 people that, and then they give you more people to talk to. And you blink, and you've now had 50 career discovery interactions. Now you have a much better idea of what careers are like and what industries are like and what you can really be thinking about. And then you can start to make some decisions on what you want to do. Finding a job when you know what you want to do is easy. Figuring out what you want to do, that's the hard part. And so focus on career discovery. That's my my one piece of advice. Well, that is excellent advice. And um I know for a fact that in 13 years, when you're telling your oldest child that piece of advice, it'll be incredibly meaningful for them. So thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you for thinking that my kid at 18 is going to listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Felicia, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. You shared some some really great items. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough. Look forward to talking with you again. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for your time and energy. I appreciate it. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Talent Playbook Podcast with our guest, Felicia Fleitman. If you'd like to learn more about Felicia, start on LinkedIn. Felicia's last name is spelled F-L-E-I-T-M-A-N. You can also check out the Outmatch webinar from February of 2019, in which Felicia was our guest. That webinar is on demand and entitled, How to Improve Recruitment and Source More Talent. Check that out on Outmatch.com. You can subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and the Outmatch.com website in the now streaming menu. Thanks to Felicia for her time. I also want to thank Outmatch alumnus Charles Summers for the introduction to Felicia. Thanks also to our friends at the C-Suite Network for their support and distribution, especially Mitch, who always seems to have time for my questions. Thanks also to Chris Gardner for the technical production and for creating the Talent Playbook podcast theme music. If you enjoyed this conversation, Please subscribe to the podcast and please rate it, even leave a comment. Not only do we like the feedback, but it helps others find the podcast too. So until next time, this is Jason Ferrara saying thanks for listening.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.